Hello and welcome to the Better Late Than Never edition of Blades Pod. It is Thursday the 7th of March uh, due to, well, let's just be honest, me making a huge mistake. Uh, this, podcast is com- this podcast is coming out a bit later than normal, so yeah, need to cut down on the mistakes. Do apologise for that. Um... Yeah, we're going to talk in this podcast, obviously, about the Sheffield Derby, talk about Rotherham as well. I've got Jay, aka Blades Analytic, coming up in a little bit. Uh, We're going to deep dive into some of the things that we felt kind of happened in this game. Uh, But first, I'm just going to run through, uh, I guess, my impressions on yet another nil-nil draw in the Sheffield Derby, and I'm going to weave in some of your own opinions as well, because... I asked on Twitter, anybody wants to tweet me their tweet-length match review from this game, Uh, and a lot of you did, and you all had some great points, so uh, yeah, I'm going to read a few of those out, try to kind of weave in some of my own thoughts around that as well, but yeah, just to kind of get started, obviously another nil-nil draw in this derby, a a pretty atrocious game, I, I must have spent maybe three hours on various radio stations and YouTube channels and stuff last week saying how this game was going to be much more entertaining than the previous one because Wednesday were going to come out and play and that would probably help us and just make for a much better spectacle. And I was very wrong. It was rubbish. I mean, to be fair to Wednesday, they did come out and play. But yeah, terrible conditions, uh, a very attritional game. Wednesday pressed us very hard. We potentially played in quite a cautious manner, which uh, we're going to come on to with Jay in a little bit. There was but two shots on target in the whole match, barely any control, only 467 passes completed combined from both teams. That's not good. Um, A lot of fouls, 34 fouls in total, so you you get a free kick every three minutes. I I don't want to harp on this point, but I don't think the referee was very good at all in this game. Didn't help the flow of the game. He was kind of punishing very soft fouls, I think, giving very sort of marginal free kicks, but then also essentially missed some quite big decisions as well, one of which I will come on to in just a moment. Um, and yeah, I think I think the fact, fact that uh, Michael Hector won Man of the Match really says it all, because I have a very low opinion of his footballing ability, but apparently he was the best player on the pitch, according to Sky. So yeah, kind of sums it up, really. Maybe we should just abolish the Sheffield derby at this point, you know, all the, uh, all the worry and build-up and stress and... Uh, yeah, a few. I think about a year ago, I said I was kind of happy to basically just not play these games anymore and just call it two points each every season. And it seems like the two clubs have taken that quite literally. So here we are. At least we didn't lose. I guess is the uh, is the main takeaway from it. But yeah, as I said, asked for some fan views on Twitter um, and got some you know really really salient points out of that for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, Johnny Tat said it honestly ended up as the game that I expected. Wednesday much better organised now. Awful weather and pressure of a derby in away game meant we played way below par. United Eye says that we pressed and pressured but lacked our usual composure on the ball. Our options were limited. Movement was lacking. We resorted to long ball too early, which is quite a, a common theme that I'm going to touch on in more detail later on. Uh, he says he agreed with the starting 11 but needed a change earlier. But at least the game's out of the way. Got a clean sheet point. We can now focus on the last 10 games. Um, Shane Rowley said both teams were more bothered about losing rather than winning. That's derby games for you. I think that is a very good point. And uh, on a similar note, Alison Pearson says we let the occasion get the better of us and got dragged down to their boar fest level. Possibly a little harsh there, Alison. But yeah, she also said glad it's over and uh, I definitely feel that as well. Uh, Dave McKay says we didn't play our usual game, probably until the final 15-20 minutes. If anything, we played the occasion more than the match. I think that is a really good point. Uh, and Coops, just to finish off, said, reminiscent of Rotherham away in that we struggled to find any rhythm against a hard-working side. 
think Chris Wilder's biggest challenge for the rest of the season is going to be maintaining any continuity of selection and all the benefits that come with that whilst keeping everyone happy and fresh. Um, and yeah, I think that's a good point, actually, just to quickly segue onto, I guess, some of the, the main talking points from the game. Um, I, I kind of said to myself, okay, let's let's try and think of the, the five big moments from this game and then realised there probably weren't five big moments. But one of the, uh, I guess, slightly controversial selection choices, Gary Medine, was involved in the first two uh, and probably the two main moments for United, I guess. So in the first half... Uh, Medine header from close range ended up being saved by the Wednesday goalkeeper uh, we'd managed to work that perfect Oliver Norwood angle for the cross and the second it was the second Norwood struck that cross from the exact spot that I think we scored five or six goals this season I thought this is this is going in the net and you know I was kind of on my feet in my living room waiting for uh, Medine to head it into the back of the net but credit to the goalkeeper got his uh, positioning spot on and made a good save there I think the the next big point is uh one I kind of alluded to at the start, and it's the Hector pull on Medine in the box. And yeah, I'm kind of stunned that this wasn't given, I think. I mean, the, the big thing for me was as the corner came in and the contact happened, you could you could basically hear the silence among Hill, among the Wednesday fans. It, it was like this collective sort of <gasps> intake of breath when they saw Hector sort of do this and drag Medine down. I mean, you could say that Basham has fouled Hector that's like led to Medine getting free, but... You know, two wrongs don't make a right here, essentially. If the referee thinks that's a foul, he should give a foul against Basham. And yeah, that suggests that he didn't think either of these things were a foul or he didn't see it, which is is curious. But there you go. Uh, and then the only other real moment chance of note actually came to Wednesday. So this was uh, there was a counter-attack and Cross came in from the left. O'Connell missed it. Fleck somehow decided to leave it, which I will mention in a sec. Uh, he basically let the ball run across his body despite the fact he was about eight yards out facing his own goal, uh, had no idea what was around him. And as it happens, uh, Sam Hutchison of Sheffield Wednesday was around him, got to the ball first, should have scored. I think if a goal rate of this, a 65% chance basically, which is, is very high. Um, and yeah, Henderson made the save from close range. You know, you've you got to say great positioning by Henderson. He had to move across his goal to get in that right position, but... By any stretch of the imagination, Hutchison really should have scored that. I did just see earlier today, actually, James Shield had reported that um, Wilder had said, basically, Fleck heard a shout from Hutchison saying, keeper, as in, leave the ball, Dean Henderson's going to get it. And uh, yeah, that was almost a very <laughs> egg-on-face moment for us, because I'm sure that would have been lauded quite a lot by Wednesday fans if that had ended up in the back of the net. But fortunately, it didn't. Um, yeah, very little else happened in the game. There was one other chance for, if you can call it a chance for Sharp, where Norwood had a shot from the edge of the area and Sharp like couldn't quite sort his legs out. But, um, you know, he was trying to step, stay onside, basically stepping backwards to not be offside. Probably was expecting Norwood to shoot if indeed he, he didn't shoot. And uh, yeah, sort of missed him by inches, but I think one of those that kind of looks worse in uh, in slow motion rather than it being like actually a bad chance. So yeah, not a vintage performance from United. I mean, a, a few other people kind of noted that, you know, you have to give a little bit of credit to, to Wednesday as, as much as we are loath to do, I suppose. You know, Steve Waite pointed out that Wednesday killed the game by matching his positionally across the pitch. Ender couldn't get forward. Uh, and for once, we were more wary of the opponent's threat than than our own, I suppose. Usually, we wouldn't be so cautious, didn't want to lose the, lose the game. Uh, and then a few others also noticed um, how high and, and 
fast, basically, Wednesday presters. Uh, Darren Houghton, Eric Levins and the tea lady basically pointed out that you know Wednesday really closed down our back three and back five very quickly, very similar to Rotherham away, and we, we either couldn't or weren't brave enough to play our way through and ended up going long, which is, yeah, a common theme, I suppose, uh, for a lot, of, a lot of fans' opinions on this one. I mean, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think uh, probably you could say anyone was was above a 7 out of 10, maybe even scraping up to 7 out of 10 for us, to be honest. Defended well. You know, Fletcher is uh, a big physical threat and, uh, you know, he, com- he competed for, I think it was 30, 26 aerial duels uh, and only won 14. So Fletcher is very physical. Obviously, was essentially fed his forehead quite a lot through the game. Um, and yeah, Egan and O'Connell and, and Basham did a good job of kind of stifling that threat, I think. Um, I thought Norwood was probably our best player. You know, he's the one sort of most likely to kind of create a chance uh, and you know get us get us into the final third. Um, probably the, the biggest impact actually came from the substitutes, which was uh, Martin Craney came on and was you know uh, continued this dynamic attacking performance down the right hand side, and you know he was still getting in the box in the last couple of minutes, and yeah, did really well off the bench, and yeah, the other one was McGoldrick who. Yeah, I guess uh, in hindsight, it looks like perhaps we should have started him because he came on. We had much more control of the game uh, and looked much more dangerous. But yeah, not not a very good game at all. Not a great performance by United. But I think my overall feelings is, well, at least we didn't lose. I always feel this with the derby that your bare minimum is just don't lose the game. And I think that may potentially have affected our intentions, I guess, and potentially the intentions of Wednesday as well, who... You know, definitely had more of a go, but still looked at a fairly limited lower mid-table side, which, as much as they may still have dreams of the playoffs, is essentially what they are. So, yeah, that's that's my take on the game. I am now going to bring in the man, Jay Blades Analytic, and we'll get into some of the, I guess, circumstances of this fixture in a bit more detail, and we will talk about the Rotherham game as well. Okay, so I, I guess uh, probably the best place to start. Hello, by the way, Jay. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello. Hello, Ben. How are you? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, thank you. We're, we're going to do this correctly this time. Um, all right, so I think the best place to start with this game is, uh, I, I guess, your thoughts on the starting lineup from how you felt before the game and maybe how it panned out afterwards. So, yeah, obviously the big talking point, uh, I think, among a lot of our fans is, um, is Medine getting the start ahead of McGoldrick and... Whether that kind of affected the way that we played, whether we went too long and you know didn't have as much control as maybe McGoldrick would have given us. I mean, my feeling on the starting lineup was like, okay, it kind of makes sense to play Medine because you know Wednesday are going to be quite physical at the back, and you know Medine has been successful in most of his appearances so far. But I guess the question is, did that end up playing into Wednesday's hands, or you know were we trying to combat their strength? What's your sort of feelings on that? Yeah, it's a bit of both, isn't it? It's probably the right answer. Mm. Um, I think beforehand, we said on the pod last week, you know, my personal opinion is, despite the last two games against Wednesday also being nil-nil, we we pretty much, we look strong and we look good attackively. And the reason we did that is because we had a lot of intelligent movement. Um, and I think that it came to pass that tactically Sheffield Wednesday pressed us really well in two parts if you will their, their forward players pressed us high to mm. pin our wing backs in and that forced the pass in to go a little bit longer than it normally is and then the defence dropped really deep as well so it was a really stretched pitch which I guess if you're a centre half looking forward quite naturally you see the midfield congested you see the wing backs not really on you, you're going to go to the target point which is Medine and 
they're, that just played into their centre half's hands who were just headed to kick it type centre halves and there's nothing wrong with that they did a great job but I just felt as though a bit more intelligent movement prior to the derby I thought this and, and certainly post it you know someone to drop in between the lines someone that could have moved the centre halves around maybe given Hutchinson and Bannon a bit more of an issue of, of do they need to pick up the number 10 type space and leave Fleck alone because Fleck was marked out of the game as well wasn't he really yeah um, much. If, if we're being honest I mean just, just down to basic things like looking at the touches, every player's touches, in, you know, how many touches they had, how many ball involvements they had. Basically, our top five are all defenders. Uh, number one was Norwood, but most of those touches were in our final third, our own third, if you will, mm. um, where he's trying to start the attacks from deep. So, I mean, Fleck only had 49 ball involvements all game. That's he's just It's not enough for him to be involved and create things, and he's probably our most creative midfielder in that final third if Duffy doesn't play. Dowell didn't really get involved in the game at all, only 29 touches. That's the same as Martin Craney had when the whole time that he was on the pitch. So, I mean, that says it all, doesn't it, really? Yeah, Craney it, with the, the mega cameo off the bench. One of our better <laughs> attacking players. Uh, yeah, I mean, just... You, the, the love for Martin Craney goes through the roof, doesn't it? It was <laughs> like this... You know, there's the West Brom thing where he's just like... He came to us as this very experienced defender... Used to be a right back when he was younger, I think, at Southampton. Then, then kind of gets converted to centre back. He's not really got the size for it consistently, I don't think. But he's a very good defender, isn't he? He's solid. Mm. Um, you know, and he comes towards us basically just to fill up the bench, really, doesn't he? You know, yeah. Someone who's a better replacement than what we had last year, and and it turns out that in the last few games, he's probably been one of the better attacking players. <laughs> he's he's got an assist. He's set up some chances. He's had some dribbles, and that step over was brilliant. Um, <laughs> You know, and it's just great to see for Craney's perspective. And he, he's probably pushing Basham now, to be honest. You know, before the game, I was quite content with, with Bash coming back in. Bash has definitely deserves the spot right now because of the performances previous. But I thought Bash was pretty woeful on the ball. Mm. I don't I don't want to criticise him as such because he put a lot of effort in, but didn't produce anything on the ball like he normally does. No, um, there's a couple of sort of dribbles through the middle, but I mean, they kind of... Didn't really go anywhere, did they? Just ended up running into a wall of defenders, basically. I think Wednesday were clever with him. I think Bash, Bash for all he, he, his quality on the ball, when he does drive the game forwards, whether it's from that right centre-back or centre-mid, he does have a tendency to, to go in the alley where you put him in, if you see what I mean. Mm. And I think I think Wednesday were clever. That you know, if Basically, if Bash or JOC were going to carry the ball out from the back, they were going to allow that. As soon as it went to Stevens or Freeman, the press kicked in. And uh, as soon as Norwood got the ball, they were just set on the halfway line, ready to go as soon as the next pass came. So they they were structurally clever. Yeah. And to, to just circle back to the original question, I I don't think you even I, despite some of the tweets we put out, both I don't think we can say well they got the lineup wrong because we nearly scored with Medina mm. being on the pitch. You know, I'm not nothing saying McGoldrick wouldn't have, but I just think in that final ten minutes, more final third passes, more shots, more chances created, more touches in the box. Craney was a big part, but McGoldrick was a big part, and I think we just looked more threatening, basically. Yeah, so we obviously did bring McGoldrick on, uh, and and as you say, you know, we didn't really like. I'm not sure we created like an actual chance. It was the, the probably the best one was where uh, he kind of worked his way into the box. I think it was Norwood played him in, and Hector somehow managed to kick it not into his own goal, as I was hoping that he would do. Um, so yeah, we didn't, we didn't really like create too many shooting chances, but yeah, I, I agree. We we definitely looked more likely, and you could sort of sense that in the atmosphere. I think you know it was a bit of a, a hush descended on Hillsborough in those last sort of ten fifteen minutes or so. Um, so. So yeah, definitely more control when McGoldrick came on and kind of, I guess in 
in hindsight, it seems like, yeah, maybe starting McGoldrick was the right thing to do. Although, you know, a few people have kind of said that, you know, it's not gonna, it's not automatically the case that we would have, uh, you know, um, out-footballed out them or anything like that. It is a bit of hindsight. But one thing, well, actually, there's two things here. But, you know, one thing I did really feel is if we're bringing McGoldrick on and we're trying to go this more controlled approach, we have someone else sat on the bench who's very good at that kind of thing. And for reasons that, uh, yeah, I, I'm not clear on, he didn't get on the pitch. I'm talking, of course, about Mark Duffy. What, what's the thinking here? I don't, I, I don't know. I think we spoke about this between us and we, we, we don't know. The only plausible, even remote tactical thing I can come up with is, is twofold, really. And that's a great point that a lot of people made on Twitter, which is this game probably means more to Wilder than any other. Mm. And... There was not a defensive, but there was certainly a more cautious outlook. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Craney change made us better as a team going forwards, but I don't think that was Wilder's thinking. Mm. If you know what I mean, I, I don't think by taking off Dal, putting Basham into the middle, and Craney coming into the back three or four for whatever you know change we had, I don't think the idea was that we'd be more attacking. Yeah, I think the idea was Bash can provide some energy, maybe drive the game forward from the middle, allow Fleck to free up but still have a, that steel and bite in there. And Craney provides that solidity. The fact that he did more than that, he's just well done, Martin Craney. Mm. Um, so I, I think there was that cautious side of it. And then the, on the same token as that, it's how attritional the game was, how bitty it was, and how much it probably wasn't a game for technical players on the night. Mm. You know, you, you think of our technical players, Dowell, uh, Stevens, I'd say he's highly technical, um, you know, Fleck. Reach for Wednesday, Bannon really for Wednesday. Uh, these guys just didn't get a kick because they were getting kicked. Quite frankly, <laughs> it's as simple as that. So I guess that that was probably in the thoughts. But yeah, I'm with you. When we started to build that final third, you know, possession, and we started to rotate a little bit on the channels like we do, you're just thinking if Mark Duffy's there, something, something could have been created, couldn't it? Yeah, I, I thought we should have gone all in with that. If we were committing to yeah. that style, then you know we should have got we should have brought Duffy on as well. I think, but I, but at the same time, I do. I get the logic that, you know, if, if we end up being, you know, uh, counter-attacked on, then, you know, that is, you know, Duffy doesn't help us out in that kind of respect. It doesn't help us kind of win the ball high up the pitch particularly well in the way McGoldrick does with his kind of pressing, oh. pressing and holding onto the ball, etc. But, yeah, I think that caution thing, I'm not happy admitting that, but I do think that is is a thing. And other people have echoed this as well. Our buddy S2 stats said, I think Wilder feels this game, this fixture, more than a lot of managers would. And he was overcautious, perhaps expecting more from Wednesday than he should have done. And yeah, it's, in hindsight, having watched the game, it is hard to disagree with that. And as a fan, you know, I'm I'm happy we didn't lose. And I'm always happy we don't lose in these games. But I don't know, maybe I, a few, I can't remember who it was said this, but somebody said, it feels like we played the occasion more than the actual opponent. And we did. Yeah, I think that was reflected in it. And I, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe I'm being too kind of idealistic here. And, you know, at the end of the season, we'll be like, well, we, we didn't lose to Wednesday uh, again. And, um, you know, it, yeah. was, it was a good away point, you know, there is, it's a bit of a, a truism. I'm not sure actually how true it is, but, you know, there is this thing of don't lose away, win all your home games and you're going to be in a good position. So, Maybe well, that was Wilder's thinking as well. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at that, if you just take two games in isolation, one home, one away, if you win mm. the home, draw the away, that's four points. That's two points per game. At the minute in the league, no one is averaging two points per game. So Norwich are averaging 1.97 points per game and they're top of the league. Mm. So yeah, generally, if you win home, draw away, you're going to get promoted. That is That, that, that actually holds true. I wouldn't say it's statistically true because I'm not sure everyone's done that all season. Yeah, You know, you, you do lose the odd game. But, you know, the, that merit does hold true. And it is a good point. 
any Derby point away from home against Wednesday is a good point because you didn't lose. Yeah. You know, it, it, for me, it doesn't really matter what realms of our cycle because football's cyclic. We're on top at the minute. It might change. It might get better. I don't know. But, you know, whatever point of the cycle you're at, a point away from home in a Derby is good. You can defend your position. I don't really care about the league table. The onus for me is on them to come and win the game. Mm. Uh, and, and it's not to say we didn't try and win the game. I think, you know, again, we've said this privately. Craney was still in the box in the 82nd minute. That's our right centre-back in the box. Yeah. Having a shot, as poor as it was. It was, you know, that's that, that's not a defensive team. I don't think we were defensive. I just think, I, don't, I think cautious is, a, is, a, is the right word. But at the same time, one thing that we have learned this year, Villa game aside, is game management. True. Um, I think this side are growing with their position in the league table. West Brom showed that for me. Uh, I think we've had other games this year that have shown that. Even Hull at home, where we weren't great, but won comfortably 1-0. You know, this game also rolls into that because we could have gone for it. But the one time that we really had quite a few people up front is the one time Wednesday broke and had the Sam Hutchinson chance. Mm. So, you know, is it fair to say that we were too cautious or is it fair to say the game means that much that we were naturally cautious the game was very bitty, so we couldn't really play our football. And a draw is better than a loss. I think they're all probably true. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we also probably give a little bit of credit to Wednesday as well in, you know, oh, the, the way yeah. that they did presses and, you know, you could see that a lot of intensity. I mean, that one that uh, the tea lady and a few others pointed out on Twitter as well. Henderson picks up the ball, goes to throw it out to Stevens, I think it is. And you could just see two Wednesday players suddenly come bombing into the picture on the left, you know. Henderson didn't even throw the ball in the end because it was so obvious that he was about to get closed down. And yeah, they sort of did that all game. And I guess, I mean, they play Norwich and Leeds, I think, before the end of the season, don't they? So we have to hope they play with the same level of intensity in those games as well. And it's not just been their, their cup final that they uh, won nil-nil again. Yeah, I mean, I I, I mean, so when Wednesday, they, they pressed more under Bruce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a fact. It, it just is. Um, I'm not sure they've ever had such a weird tactical setup as that. The, the average player position kind of charts you see going around, they're really interesting. Mm. Literally, it, it was a 4-2-4. It was kind of like a FIFA-type formation. You know, it was literally the, the two up top, you know, Forestieri and Fletcher right on the centre halves. Uh, you know, not necessarily engaging them every time they had it, but letting them have it and blocking the passing lanes out. Yeah. And then the wingers pinning the wingbacks right in. So every time Freeman stepped over the halfway line, bang, he ra- Aaron's was on him with Palmer backing him up who I actually thought was the man of the match. I thought Palmer was the man of the match for Wednesday. I don't, I'm not really sure how Michael Hector got it. I get that he was a brick wall and he headed and kicked a lot, but he's got awful in possession. Mm. And I, I'm not giving, in a football game, I'm not giving a non-footballer a man of the match, match award. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do I thought, not disagree. I thought, no, I thought Palmer was very good because he's, he's not a left back. He's a right back. And he, yeah. he, 52% of our attacks came down that side. So, whether that was by coincidence or by tactics, I, I think probably more the latter. I think we probably tried to exploit a young winger in, in Aaron's and an inexperienced left-back in Palmer. Mm. Um, with Freeman, who is quite good offensively, I think we'd all agree. Yeah. Um, you know, and Bash down that side as well, very good at going forward. So I think we tried to exploit that and failed. Um, but yeah, you, you have to give a lot of credit to them as much as we begrudgingly might do so. That They were very good. They cancelled our game out without really imposing theirs, but also without being boring. Yeah. Um, you know, they carried a little bit more threat than they did at Ramal Lane. You know, they, they got the ball in the box. They had the one big chance of the game. Um, 
yeah, they, they carried a bit of threat, but without really exposing themselves. It was just a horrible cancelled out game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess the frustration is that I know that we're much better than that, and that's why it's a bit disappointing. But as I'm, I'm not sure Wednesday are much better than that. Like, is is that just how they've been playing under Bruce and this kind of you know high pressure, fairly attritional, low quality style has just been picking up points. I mean, I thought very striking. I can't remember if it was uh, Aaron's or maybe I offer right at the end. It was like 91st minute or something like that. Um, and he got the ball on the edge of our area and he could have driven into our area, but instead he just hit this early like snatch shot that went about 20 yards wide. I thought, you absolute idiot. I'm, I'm very glad you've made that decision <laughs> to shoot from there instead of dribbling into the box. But yeah, I thought that sort of summed it up. And, and also, actually, this was a game that deserved just two minutes of injury time. How many? How often do you see that at the end? I think there was more time in the first half than the second, which, which kind of says it all, I suppose. But yeah, I like, just to round off on the Wednesday game, I, I really like this quote from uh, the great Roy G. Biv himself uh, on the S2 forum. He said, tonight was one of the hardest games we have left for a number of reasons. It's a derby. They're in great form. They have a new manager. Needed to win to get in the playoffs. They're still smarting from the 4-2 game. Not many teams will play at the intensity Wednesday did tonight. It wasn't a normal game. It was like a playoff semi in crap conditions with both sides scared to make a mistake. Made for a dull game. Come out of the last two games, uh, last two away games with four points is a superb return. It's uh, That's pretty glass half full, but it's also very hard to disagree with those points, I think. Is, uh, you feel the same? Absolutely. In fact, he's, he's probably nailed it better than me and you could. We're mm. normally quite good at this, but it's it's bang on. And again, it goes back to this whole, you know, I think at this stage of the season, we all love to look and project points, me more than most, because I like that data side of it. But really, you take games as a, as a, as a series of mini games, I think. Hmm. Um, and I think if you take this series of mini games, especially through the month of February, which when we both looked in January, we said, this is, that's a test and a half. That yeah, is, no kidding. You no know, Villa away. I know we had some home games, but Villa away and well, West Brom away. West, uh, Borough at home. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, Reading in there as well, but you know, you'd probably say that's three points. But Borough at home, Villa away, West Brom away, Wednesday away. Mm-hmm. Not even going into the next three after that, but that's that's a tough run. So to go to to go to Villa and should win and, and get a point still, which is good in the end, but should win to beat Borough, to beat Reading, to beat West Brom, to draw at Wednesday. I have no issue whatsoever with that in the grand scheme of things. Move it on. Good point. Move on. Yeah, I think so. And it's, uh, yeah, four clean sheets in a row for us now and five out of the last six. We're also unbeaten versus Wednesday under Wilder, which is quite nice. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think it also highlights just how once in a lifetime special that 4-2 win was and that we should, you know, never forget that, I think. You know, away wins don't tend to happen very often in these fixtures. The last three games have been pretty drab against them. And yeah, to go and stick four past them was you know, it, it may never happen again in our lifetimes. And yeah, we should we should definitely remember that and always appreciate what a ridiculous game, ridiculous moment that was for, you know, Duffy scoring after they'd uh, equalised and yeah, Leon Clark getting two and just basically smashing him at Hillsborough when they expected to uh, give us a good hammer in. So yeah, let's let's make sure we hang on to that one, definitely. Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's... In this social media generation, I think, you know, very quickly on that, you get all the angles and videos still being released and it's brilliant and there's the banter side of it. But also I think sometimes, because everything gets overhyped and overreacted, mm. you sometimes think, oh, well, you know, that'll flit away eventually. It's just getting overreacted at the minute. But it, it really shouldn't be. There's so, you, you shut your eyes and you think of that game. There's so many big things you think of. Flex goal, Leon's two, Duffy's bounce killer at that situation. Brooks's nutmeg on mm-hmm. Jack Hunt. I wasn't going to mention that in case it annoyed you. 
Well, no, it doesn't annoy me in that instance because he was with us. But I mean, them two players aren't even at either club anymore yet. Yeah. That's folklore, isn't it? But I mean, let's be honest. Brooksy was with us for, you know, first team wise. Twenty games. Not even a, I think he played thirty in okay. the end. Thirty games in the end. I think he played thirty games or, or appeared in thirty. But right, okay. It doesn't really matter about anything else. I mean, he scored the winner at Leeds, so you'll never be forgotten for that. It was the two goals against, you know, was it, yeah, the two goals he set up against Borough. I mean, it's, none of that matters because of that one moment at Wednesday. Not The rest of the game, he was brilliant as well, but that nutmeg will live with us forever. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's that, that game, we'll, we'll take that to the grave with us, definitely. They, they, <laughs> it'll be a long time before something like that happens again, I think, especially with the way the games are going. It seems to be more and more, it's more about not losing than winning. And that game just seemed to... Uh, and I think, you know, the early goal made that game and it could have made this game. If Medine scores that first header, who knows? Very really, point, honestly. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think you said this to me separately as well, but, you know, these games are becoming like World Cup group stage games, aren't they? Where yeah. you know, teams are just afraid to lose and it's almost like, oh, I'll just take a point and get get it out of the way and move on. The, the timing of the season, I mean, the, I don't want to be all Jorgen Klopp and blame the wind, but the weather conditions didn't help because it wasn't inducive to playing football. It's no, not. It was same swirling. with the Bramall Lane game as well. Actually, that was yeah. It was. It was absolutely weather. hammering it down. Cold doesn't matter. They're running, but hammering it down, swirly wind, and basically it was conducive to getting your foot stuck on the ball rather than playing. Yeah. So that that didn't help. Obviously, there was other factors, but then also the timing of the season. You know, a loss compared to a point is only one point. But what does it really mean in terms of momentum? For us, it means probably a lot more. You know, we're a side that are built on this team ethic and momentum, and to not lose against Wednesday is a big thing. Yeah, compared to losing against them, and I think for Wednesday, they probably didn't want to commit to to coming out of that shape that was boxing us off and, and thinking, all right, they're they're a very outside shout for the playoffs, but they're playing teams above them in the next five six games, so. Yeah, if they're going to get in, they're going to have to beat those teams, aren't they? And it's actually, it's probably in our interest for Wednesday to make the playoffs, actually, because it means they'll have beaten teams like Leeds and Norwich on the way. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll sneak up there. But um, yeah, have you got uh, just two minutes to talk about Rotherham quickly? Yeah, go on, mate. Yep. Nice one. So yeah, I mean, I think um, I think we probably should be expecting a fairly similar kind of game against Norwich. You know, uh, not Norwich, Rotherham. Uh, you know, quite attritional. You know, they they never win away from home. Da, da, da. They, they haven't won away from home in almost two full championship seasons, but they do draw a lot of games. There's only uh, three teams in the league with more away draws. Um, and yeah, I, I would imagine this this game is probably going to be quite similar, or their approach will be quite similar to what we've seen from Wednesday. You know, incredibly hardworking, trying to press the ball, maybe not quite as high up the pitch, but yeah, giving us very little time on the ball. And yeah, I mean, I would hope and expect that uh, Duffy and McGoldrick will be starting. What, what do you reckon? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd hope so as well. Um, I think it's... that. I mean, it, it's a difficult one. It is a difficult one because I don't want any part of any analysis or opinion that anyone's imparting to look like it's criticism of Medine. Yeah. And you cannot criticise Medine for the fact that we played direct. That is not Medine's fault. It's mm. not like Gazza's up front screaming, stick it long to my head. You know, he he's a striker and he's a very good technical player. I'm sure he wants it into his feet and chest where he can lay it off to runners around him, where we can then get better balls into the box of different angles and of different heights where he can attack. That is That would be his game. Um, you know, he's not just a bully boy battering ram. He's a bit more, he's a bit cuter than that, to be fair to him. Well, yeah, we've seen that in, um, you know, some of his other appearances, you know, against... Uh... 
Uh, a flash against West Brom is is kind of half the uh, half he got against Borough and then against Reading, which you know was all right. It's pretty inferior opposition, but it was it was fantastic in that game. I think he had a hand yeah. in in all four goals. I've just got to himself, and, but but a lot of that was from good football, good control, movement, yeah. dribbling, passing, that kind of thing. Absolutely, and to be fair to him as well, the best footballing side in the league are Norwich by a mile, mm. in my opinion, and he did not look out of place on that pitch for 55, 60 minutes. Right. I mean, I, I, I was there and I thought he was fantastic. He, you know, t- in terms of touches, he was playing balls around the corner. He was looking. And him and Billy have got a really good partnership for, for me. They, they look for each other at every opportunity. We saw that at West Brom. So there's no criticism of Medina whatsoever. It's just what, what do you prefer? And I think that as a team, we look more attackive, certainly more flowing, free-flowing when McGoldrick's in the team. Um, mm. I, I think we retain the ball in the final third better. Now, that might not always work because the opposition might just play deep block and, and block anything that comes into the box. And that's where we like Borough, exactly like Borough. Borough weren't like Wednesday. They didn't press high. They had no interest in coming after us. They, they were coming for, to nick it 1-0 or get a point. Yeah. Uh, and it needed that introduction. It needed Medine to mix it up for that variety, to give them something they have to defend against that then puts other targets like Stearman or other space available for others. There's, there's a brilliant thing of bringing Medine in that we've now got options and variety. Yeah. I just don't want us to lose that original plan that's got us here. Yeah, a few people said that to me on Twitter actually. I'm just uh just trying to find it now. But yeah, somebody said basically we've um you know, we we've oh here we go. Father Cheesy. Fantastic name. Uh we've been a footballing side since Wilder came and you know that's kind of got us that's what's got us where we are essentially and yeah, you don't want to you don't want to see us move away from that as a as a plan A if you like, but yeah, that's that's why I think we will go for a more controlled approach in this one or try and have a better grip on the game through possession rather than physicality um yeah Rotherham so they actually I was looking at the stats they actually do get a lot of shots they're the six most shots in the league um but I think most of those are in pretty poor areas right it's, I mean a lot most of them are inside the penalty area but I'm guessing this is like you know shots from poor angles or headers and things like that because their their actual xg over the season is pretty low right um, yeah, they're about 17th, 16th lowest in the table. So, hmm. and they've un, un, I think it's about 41, 44 xG, and they've actually underperformed that with 39 goals. So, right. basically, strikers are not great. Yeah, not not necessarily strikers. I don't think because I don't think they create a lot for Smith up front. Um, I think he's he is literally a target, and they try and play off him. So they'll play into him hmm. quite early and quite long. And then they have a very dynamic, energetic midfield. I think we've seen that Will Vokes, I quite highly rate Will Vokes, I'll be mm. honest. I don't think he's the greatest ball player in the world. I think if he was, he was in our team or at a Norwich, he wouldn't potentially be as good on the ball. That might be harsh, but in terms of an energetic runner, he's one of the best in the league. I genuinely think that he's a fantastic runner and he'll get around the striker and the wingers are, are quite, we saw that. I think John Taylor and Ryan Williams, they get up and down all day. Yeah, I quite and, like the look of him, Taylor. Was it, did he play for Shrewsbury last season? I feel like I watched him in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, he looks pretty decent. I, I think actually I saw that he may be injured for this game, so I hope so. A small bonus uh, for us, if so. Yeah, and they're good at set pieces. They're very good at cross. They're very. I, I did the crossing thread on Twitter the other week, and they came up as not only one of the sides who put the most in and are also very accurate with them. Mm. They also create create one of the top five for creating chances from crosses, and then if you convert that into kind of a relative kind of way of grading it so look at the chances Rotherham create the total number of them what percentage of them come from crosses yeah. very high percentage of Rotherham's cr- chances come from crosses so 
they're, they're a side that use that as their main tactical ploy. So there's no, there should be no misunderstanding of what's coming on Saturday. Um, they're going to go direct, but they're going to go direct with pace and energy, and they're going to get the ball into the box a lot. Yeah. So they I mean, and, and they will shoot on sight as soon as they have half a yard. They will shoot. Their, their XG is based on the fact they don't shoot from good areas often. It's just volume, isn't it? I remember that against Correct. us in that game at, uh, at the New York Stadium. They have like 26 shots or something. Yeah, 20, I think 26 shots, but only five or six on target. And mm. although we took, we did take a pummel in, you know, the stats did reflect that game. We did take a pummel in in that game. Yeah. It, it, it did go to show that they had to score a deflected goal to equalise. And although we played poorly, we created two chances that were basically on the goal line. Yeah, well, yeah. I think there was another one as well. Since McGoldrick had one cleared off the line, didn't he, at first that's, half? And there might have been another one as well. Yeah, that was kind of the start of after the Wednesday game of McGoldrick missing and then, then we kind of run a big chances before he got <laughs> back on the bag train again. But yeah, yeah it's, it's... I mean, you, you know, you know what's coming, but at the same time, Rotherham have won no games away all season. Brentford mm-hmm. after that have won one game away all season. No matter how much me and you quite respect Brentford for the way they play and their kind of stats they post and the way they run their club... They've won a combined effort of one away game all season. Yeah, in if like this, 34 games or something like that. I mean, if this doesn't scream six points, we're not getting promoted second. I think it needs to be six points. You know, I, I don't like to reduce the season to those like, oh, the next game is... Everything rests on the next game, but like this is an opportunity we, we can't really afford to miss out on unless unless somebody does us a favour. I mean, you know, we didn't expect Leeds to lose to QPR the other day. I know they've just gone and thrashed West Brom and now everything looks rosy for them again. But you never know in the championship, I suppose. But yeah, you, you've got to think that Saturday's going to be a win. I mean, yeah, they Rotherham allow the fourth highest amount of shots as well. There's only Ipswich in the whole league that have conceded more goals than them. So yeah, you've got to... You got to fancy that we'll uh, we'll take care of business, um, even if it might be a tricky game. You know, I, I hope people don't go into this thinking, right, walkover coming up. This is going to be four nil, like it was against Reading. I think it will be a, a similar game to it was at, um, at their place, but hopefully with us playing better. Because I mean, as much as Rotherham made us poor in that game, we did play poorly, and you know, it was. I think even like Norwood was just giving it away, sort of almost aimlessly, which is quite unusual for him. So. Yeah, hopefully we will play better than in that game and, yeah, play better than we did against Wednesday and uh, and get the win that I'm sure we are odds-on favourites to collect, hopefully. <laughs> you would hope so, wouldn't you? You would certainly hope so. I mean, it's just this this next run of, of two, three games is going to be really interesting. We know what's the, the, at the last of this run, if you will. It's leads mm. away. We, we need to be within distance, I, I would say, of that game. You know, if we go into that Ellen Road game and we're already four points behind, for example, um, and, and really you need to be going there winning because if you lose, you're seven points behind them. I don't care what people say about it's the championship, people will slip up between now and the end of the season. Yeah, they probably will, but we've also earned these points already. Yeah. So you can project based off what Leeds have earned points per game already, what Norwich have earned points per game already, You know what we have earned. It's, it's there, the facts don't lie, and these teams do not lose a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it, Leeds were on a bit of a tricky run recently but then they've just gone an absolute you know they beat Bolton and spanked West Brom 4-0 it's, they're not going to be a bad side they're going to win more than they're going to draw or lose from now to the end of the season so we don't want to be put it basically well, like a short term of what I'm trying to say is if we can get ourselves in a position in the next two games where we take six points Leeds have got two away games one of them away at Bristol City very tough mm. if, they, if they only take three or four points from those games then you know, we can be level pegging heading into that Leeds game. And all of a sudden, I think that really does change the dynamic of that match. 
Yeah. Because you can lose that game and you're still in the race. You know, it's only three points. It's only a game. That's fine. It's the championship. That There will be one game slip up. But then you, it also puts a little bit more onus on Leeds to probably go and win that game. Yeah. I also like the angle that we play before Leeds on Saturday. Obviously, we, it's the one yes. advantage of the uh, twelve fifteen kickoff, which is like I'll still be able to taste the toothpaste in that game. I think that's far too early. Um, <laughs> but we win that. We go above Leeds, uh, who play at yeah. three pm. Uh, Norwich actually play tomorrow evening, I believe, against Swansea. Um, I, I yeah, I, I like that them. angle. I think they're gone. I think Norwich are gone. I get it. It's only four, but they're gone. They just are. Look at their fixtures. Look at the results they've had. Look at how many games they've lost compared to what they're gone. Mm. You know, it'll take a monumental injury or slip up for them not to go up, in my opinion. I think it's a two horse race. I don't even think West Brom are anywhere near it Mm. at all. Um, I know some people think they might fight back, but I don't see how they can make the sweeping changes they need at this stage of the season. I, I don't, maybe not. I don't know. But I just think that. I think that Leeds game is generally, it has potential to be nothing because if the points are close, it can mean nothing or it could mean everything after these two games. And away games in the championship are tough. They're going to Bristol City who are fighting for a playoff spot and Reading who are fighting for their lives and have improved. So there's scope there for them to not take six and we need to capitalise. Like you say, we need to win early on Saturday and go above them so that when they play Bristol, they, they need to win, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and we need to apply that pressure and turn that screw. We're now into that, that you know, coming into soon single digit games where mm. that type of pressure can have a psychological difference. Yeah, definitely. It's getting exciting, mate. And uh, I mean, the, the, the thing that I kind of sometimes lose sight of because you just adjust your uh, your hopes and your expectations through the season on the fly, almost almost game by game, I suppose, as a fan. But the thing I do lose sight of a little bit is like the playoffs are now basically secure. Like we're going to finish in the playoffs. So that gives us the opportunity to, you know, really go for it in these games. I mean, to an extent, this is why it's a little bit disappointing we didn't go for it against Wednesday. But I get the, you know, potential psychological impacts of losing a derby. But yeah, this is, uh, there's, there's no excuse to not go out and give it everything that we can, I guess, to try and hunt down the top two and yeah it's uh it's an exciting time i think i'm looking forward to the game on saturday even if the one on monday it was pretty drab because yeah <laughs> I, I don't think i don't know that was the most boring game i've watched this this season and for a little while actually oh uh, yeah the most i think i'll say to you the most boring game i've watched of anyone this season mm. it was a horrifically boring game and it feels like we almost need saturday you know i yeah. think wilder i think wilder's probably acknowledged that he's you know there's nothing wrong with drawing nil nil away on Wednesday. That's not a problem. But mm. just to rebuild that kind of crescendo and that momentum, he, he's kind of give it a bit of a rallying call that he hopes you know, the lads get backed and you know his lads will always go out there and give it effort. He's saying all the right things to basically get that. So yeah, no worries, mate. Thanks so much for giving up your time. And uh, yeah, I'll catch up with you later. No problem. Okay. Cheers, Jay. Talk to you in a bit. Cheers, mate. Thanks for that. 